Welcome to this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 44. In this podcast, we will be hearing from a longtime contributor of the NBDA screen reader. That's all for this edition, and stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Michael's Weekly Perspective Podcast. This is podcast episode 44. In this podcast, we will be hearing from a contributor of the NVDA screen reader. To get hold of this podcast, you can either choose to call using the listener line or you can send an email to me. The phone number to call in to this podcast is 404 923 That's 404 923 115. You can also send an email to me. That email address is munnmichael68 at gmail.com. That's munnmichael68 at gmail.com. I have started another channel on YouTube, also named Michael's Weekly Perspective. This channel is mainly for audio only. That's all I have to say for this week. On May 10th, I received an email from the NBDA community saying that a person named Joseph Lee will be retiring from developing Atom for NBDA. In this podcast, I am thrilled to have him in the studio and talk about what he do and how he became a contributor for the NBDA screen reader. This is part one of the two parts interview that I did with Joseph Lee. During the first part, you will know who is Joseph Lee. And how he started using MBDA. Do you have dreams that you want to achieve but are scared to do so due to self doubt, fear, and other people's criticism? I have just what you need. You need a dose of the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, where I interview guests that will motivate and inspire you to stop at nothing to achieve your dreams. And always remember, if you believe, you can achieve. The Living the Dream the Curveball podcast is available on your favorite podcast app. Joseph, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. When I invite guests to my podcast, I would always ask them to introduce themselves. So, Joseph, can you take some time and tell my listeners who you are and what do you do? Okay, hello, listeners. I am Joseph Lee, one of the longtime code contributors to NVDA Screen Reader Project. Currently, I am pursuing a Master of Arts in Communication Studies at California State University, Los Angeles. I was originally from Seoul, South Korea, and moved to the United States at a young age. And then, since then, I've been living in the US for I forgot how many years now. I've been studying computer science originally in college, but then I fell in love with public speaking at some point, so I switched majors. Along the way, as I was studying computer science, just before switching majors, I uh, found NVDA,、uh, an open source free screen reader for Microsoft Windows. And I've been contributing to NVDA for a long time. Well, until recently, when I announced my retirement from contributions. When I was accepted to graduate school. So, again, thank you for having me in the podcast today. In the introduction, you mentioned that you were from South Korea and you moved to the States when you were at a very young age. So, may I ask, what caused you or your family to migrate to US 
Ah, that's quite an interesting question. Uh, opportunities, I think, because in South Korea, of course, we heard uh, as I used to go to a school for the blind in South Korea, there are about 13 school for blind children there. And one of the constant things we heard was that there is a much better place called America. And if you go there, people with disabilities are treated like kings and queens. That is to say, we get a lot of money, we get a lot of support, the government will take care of us all the way until we die and so on. So back when I was 11 years old, I watched a documentary about a Korean adoptee uh, who was blind, who uh, was adopted by an American family when she was about three or four years old. And then she came back to Korea then, which was early 2000s, to find her birth family. So as I was watching the documentary and I was studying English then as an 11-year-old, I thought, doesn't America offer a lot of opportunities for people like me? So I decided that, well, it might. So I boarded a plane in Seoul, South Korea, I believe back in 2001, when I was uh, 11 years old. So if we do the math, you know how old I am now. So uh, and I've been living in the United States, specifically Southern California, for the last 20 years after that. You're saying on the other side of Pacific is a promised land for you and your family. It is. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I can totally agree with what you said, because uh, the government in the United States does do a better job of taking care of people with disability compared to country on the other side of Pacific Ocean, like China. What are the challenges and lessons that you have learned when you move to the States? That's an interesting question. The biggest challenge was obviously for immigrants like ourselves, uh, English. <laughs> Of course, for those listeners who are immigrants like us, learning a different language that you never spoke until you moved to a different country is intriguing. It's hard at first. So I struggled with that first. Made more complicated because the English that Americans speak, or rather the English that native speakers speak, and the English that is taught in other countries are different. I tell you that. So... I had the learning curve when I adjusted to speaking uh, the kind of English that people in America and other English-speaking worlds spoke. That was the, perhaps the biggest challenge when I moved here to the United States many years ago. And then, of course, the lessons learned is back then I used to see, although I was still low vision back then, so I wore magnifying glasses. So I had to, the biggest lesson, of course, is learning English as quickly as possible and trying to what people were doing and then learning vocabulary that way. So because sometimes I would watch what people do and I would understand what that word meant. Language is perhaps the biggest challenge and getting around that and trying to adjust as quick as possible is perhaps something I dealt with in the first few months to years after I moved to the United States. I can totally agree with that because as of right now, I'm still learning some of the rules as an English speaker. When you learned English, did Braille help you? Uh, not in my early days because even though I knew English Braille back in Korea, uh, the biggest struggle for me was not knowing contractions here. So when I learned English using Braille back in South Korea, I learned through uncontracted or some of us old people might say grade one Braille. There was a completely different Braille system compared to 2021 because right now, 2021, everybody says, we're going to use unified English Braille. But then 20 years ago, 
people were thinking, no, we're just going to hold on to the old style Braille. I didn't learn English contractions until I got here. So when I first read passages written in a contracted Braille, I struggled trying to understand what that meant. I know what a letter was, but I didn't know what that dot in front of it was. I knew the letter H, that's one, two, five for uh, listeners, but I didn't know what that five in front of H meant. Now I know it's the word here, which is H-E-R-E. So that was, of course, the biggest struggle trying to read English, but then using rules that were here, basically trying to learn contracted Braille from scratch. It took me several years to get adjusted to that. And one of the activities that helped me with that, speaking of which, is the National Braille Challenge, which uh, I competed twice, once at the middle school and at a time in high school. And uh, by the way, for our listeners, the 2021 Braille Challenge finalists have were just announced. I improved a lot of Braille skills through this competition, Braille Challenge, which is the uh, competition run by a Braille Institute that challenges kids from first grade to 12th grade to learn to use Braille in everyday life. That competition helped me a lot, but then obviously it took me a while to get adjusted to contractions. And nowadays I can sort of read, but struggle with it, but then still. There are some difficulties in the beginning. It was a challenge for me when I first learned contracted Braille because there are some symbols that are very identical to Chinese Braille code. Like the symbol dot one, two, four, five, six is ER in English, but in Chinese Braille, that's complete different symbol. In Chinese Braille, dot one, two, four, five, six is the symbol of WAN. There are many ways to pronounce that. That's Good to know you learned Braille by competing in National Braille Challenges. Oh my gosh, that is a very competing activity. I never attend one, but I have a lot of friends who actually attended several of them, like almost every year, every time during February. Their TBI signed them up. They first compete in regional and then states and then national. I think I got it right. It's regional and then nationals in Los Angeles in summer. When you use a computer, you said you use NVDA primarily. Do you use a Braille display? Yes, I do for the last 17 years. My first ever Braille computer, or now the old folks might call it note taker, was a Braille and Speak that I got. For our younger uh, friends, Braille and Speak was an old Braille style, uh, keyboard style note taker that was released originally by police engineering, later acquired by Freedom Scientific. Nowadays, they're called Visperal. And it led sort of a revolution to the Braille input and output, of course, the Braille literacy, because Braille and Speak allowed professionals on the move to write notes on the fly and ready for embossing and printing. Or, and the features became more sophisticated over the years. And then I was introduced to Braille uh, from Humanware back in 2003, actually. And then I became a regular user of Braille as part of my school in 2004. So for our listeners who are longtime Braille users, list members, or, do, or are human Braille people, you know my name already. So uh, yes, I am that Joseph Lee from the Braille users list. That person hasn't changed. Nowadays, I test Braille support with a Braille Touch Plus. And thankfully, one significant event, rather activity that I used my Braille display for, in this case Braille was UEB support. I'm one of the people who brought UEB support, or rather improved UEB support for NVDA a while ago. 
there was a rudimentary parole table that was developed by someone. And then that person, uh, I believe that person uh, died. So others in the Blibli, uh, Braille Translator Project, picked up that work and eventually made the more usable, not only by NVDA, but also by narrator and JAWS these days. I had a lot of use for that side. And then I used my burnout Apex or touch or whatever to test UV support with NVDA. And these days, because I'm also a mobile-centric person, I tend to use the Braille display functionality from VoiceOver on iOS. You know where I use Braille display functionality on my burnout with, I would say three screen readers, it's NVDA, VoiceOver, and of course, Touch Plus runs Android, so I can use whatever the services it provides. At least it opened up a lot of possibilities when using Braille displays with screeners. So your first Braille display was the ancestor of Braille displays in modern days. My first Braille display was a Braille Note Apex running 4.9 Keysoft. And now I'm using a Freedom Scientific Focus 40, a standalone Braille display who can serve as a book reader when not connected with the computer. It's a very solid and rugged Braille display. When did you expose to MVDA screen reader, if I may ask? Surprising luck, I believe 2010 or 2011. Originally, I was introduced to the NVDA, which for listeners stands for Visual Desktop Apps. Uh, when I was chatting with Skype, right skype that was old days too so somebody demonstrated nvda i first saw nvda in 2008 back when it was in its infancy so uh one day mike one of my uh teachers who i was working for as a tech assistant intern back in my school district brought a usb flash drive containing a never before heard of software called nvda and this teacher runs NVDA on a computer running Windows XP. And that was with, with all speed synthesizers. There was no support for touchscreens, no support for uh, a lot of real displays. <laughs> so uh, and I sort of knew about NVDA. And then I rediscovered it, or at least got another demonstration by a friend of mine in Korea uh, in 2010 or 2011. And then in 2012, I came across a post on NVDA users list or whatever list that was asking, does NVDA support Korean or rather can NVDA pronounce Korean characters or Korean words? I don't remember the exact thing, but the essence of the question was, can NVDA support Korean? The answer before June 2012 was no, or rather incomplete. And then I looked at it further and decided that there was no NVDA Korean translation. That's the first step in joining NVDA community as a Korean translator. And eventually I moved up to providing Braille support, at least testing Braille display support. And by the way, for clarification, Braille and Speak is not really a Braille display, but more of a note taker. The Braille display version of Braille and Speak is Braille Lite, L-I-T-E. That was released later by Blaze Engineering. Um, it'll take hours to talk about all sorts of old displays, but anyway, so, and then in 2013, I moved on to writing NVIDIA add-ons. I've been doing that since then until a few weeks ago when I informed the NVIDIA community that, uh, 
it is time for me to move on to the next phase of life, which is graduate school. And because I am also planning to do uh, coaching, uh, speech and debate to college students, I decided that it is time for me to say goodbye to at least major parts of the NBDA community. So that has been my journey for the last nine years. This is it for the first part interview that I did with Joseph Lee. If you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to send an email to me. The email address is m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. That's m-u-n-n-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-6-8 at gmail.com. Besides that, you can give me a call at 404-923-0115. That's 404-923-0115. Thank you for listening to this podcast and have a nice day.